Payoff.com is a paying sponsor of this Thrifters Villa podcast. You've tried balance transfers and budgeting, but high interest rates and unrelenting bill cycles make it almost impossible to get out of credit card debt on your own. Instead of another new savings technique, you need a clear path out of debt, and that's what a payoff loan can do. A payoff loan is a personal loan backed by member-centric credit unions designed to help you pay off your credit cards with rates as low as 5.9% APR and loan amounts up to $35,000 with no hidden fees and personal customer service support from payoff to help you reach your financial goals. Some of the benefits of a payoff loan may also include potential credit score boost, one monthly payment, and savings from lower interest rates. Go to payoff.com slash thriftersvilla to learn more. Checking loan rates won't affect your credit score. Try something new. Pay off your credit card debt with Payoff. NMLS ID number 1396805. Not all applicants may qualify. Loan only available within the United States. Loan is not available in all states. Payoff works with lending partners who originate the loans. Additional terms, conditions, and eligibility requirements may apply. More information is available at payoff.com slash thriftersvilla. Now back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we have a very special guest and friend with us. Her name is Jessica. Jessica is a multi-platform seller, and you can find her on Instagram at JSThriftsAndFlips. I met Jessica through our reselling community on Instagram. Jessica caught my attention um, even more so than our general conversations back and forth shortly after the death of George Floyd. I was looking for guidance to deepen my understanding about what was happening in our country and changes I needed to make to help be part of the solution. I found myself glued to Jessica's stories. I was particularly interested in knowing what a Black woman had to say during this time. I knew I had to reach out to Jessica to ask her to be on the podcast, and I can't wait to get to know you better, Jessica. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jessica. I'm so excited to get to know you, and I know our audience is going to be excited to get to know you too, so let's get the show started. we go. All right. Well, Jessica, uh, what we usually start off with, with our um, podcast is we just do like a little recap, kind of unrelated to what we're going to chat about. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of talk about how everyone's week was uh, with regards to reselling. How was your week, Jess? How are things going? How are sales? Um, Sales are like down for me, but that's just because I haven't been putting in the work. Um, And it really started with like when COVID-19 hit, um, the last time I've been to a thrift store was March 14th, and I remember even then feeling a little weird about it, but like yeah. our Salvation Army had a, uh, had half off, and we hadn't had any confirmed cases here, so I was okay going, but the thrift store was pretty empty, and then um, that Monday, we got our first confirmed case here, so I kind of like, I hit the brakes immediately yeah. on that, and then a week later, we were uh, put under stay at home. And so then I transitioned to, for the first time ever, like I've been reselling three years and I've used, had always used ThreadUp to send inventory to, but I had never sourced. Mm-hmm. And so then I started sourcing on ThreadUp and that like, I know people say like getting like sourcing online is easy because it comes to your door, but it's so much hard to, hard to source online. Like I was up to three or four o'clock just going through pages and pages and pages like of their outlet section because there's just so much 
inventory and it almost felt like I was going down like this black hole. I, I didn't think I was going to end. So I think they had <laughs> over like 50,000 items. Yes. And I, so I, yes. And so I did low to high, I think. No, no. I did newest to oldest and it was about 520 pages, I think. So I did about like 130 pages a night. Just oh my quickly. God. Are you yeah. kidding? That's insane. No. Oh my God. no. And then it's even harder too, because with the way they're um, like the way they put their, like their categories with their brands. So like, we know anthropology has like a, like a lot of different in-house brands. Mm-hmm. And so those brands aren't put on, like, they don't mark them as anthropology. They mark them as that brand. And so sometimes like, we know the main ones like Maeve, Deletta, right. And like some of the other ones, yeah, Meadow Rue, but some of the, some of them, I'm like, oh, that look like it could be an anthropology piece, but it doesn't have the name. I have to click it and then open it and I have to like research on it and then I was like going to check a flip seeing if it was worth buying like it was a huge headache going through all of that so did you find um once you kind of got through everything did you find some great pieces like things that they had underpriced because maybe some they weren't familiar with a good brand name or did 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 you end up placing a good you did. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was a bad thing too. Cause then I ended up placing like too much because it just <laughs> felt like it was, it was way more items than I've of course had ever seen in a thrift store. So I think I placed maybe four orders. Like, Oh, because I think one day they had like a sale on kind of like regular stuff, mm-hmm. but with the outlet, it was, they were doing this sale. Um, if you bought, it was like, it was like a tiered sale. So it depends on how many items you bought, how much your discount would be. And I think if you bought 20 or more items, it'll be 40% off of that price. And so like the, some of the items were like $9.99, $6.99, $5.99 with the 40% off. So I, I would try to make my orders be like, you know, at least 20 items so I can get the cheapest price as possible. So you must yeah, be a professional was, now. No, I haven't gone back and looked. I was like, that took way too much time. Took so years off your again. life, Jessica. It did, yes. <laughs> my eyes were hurting. Oh, well, I know Daniela did a lot of online sourcing too. I think I'm like the novice with the online sourcing. Daniela's been hitting it pretty hard too. Uh, but I haven't done ThreadUp. I well, no, I did one order on ThreadUp. I did one order on the Real Real because they sent me um, a credit. Uh, like you know, they randomly send emails sometimes for like thirty dollars off, and I went to the clearance section and got two items that are fifteen dollars. Um, mm-hmm. And then my, most of my sourcing has been with Poshmark. Honestly, that's where I've gotten most of my stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. You can find some really good deals in there because not everyone that's on Poshmark is um, a seller. Like a retailer like us. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people on Poshmark are just, and they'll flat out say like getting rid of stuff in my closet. Like that's their title, like removing things from my closet. And so you're not, you know, it, they're not always labeling it as Everlane or Madewell or Reformation. Like they're labeling it as um, like moving sale or something like that. So you just have to get creative in the way that you're searching for stuff. But I've gotten some pretty good things by sourcing on Poshmark. Now, Jess, are your thrift stores open now? Yes, they are. Um, I can't remember exactly when they opened, but we were actually down here. Like, I would say the South as a whole wasn't hit hard, but in Louisiana particularly, we were hit hard pretty early. So we kind of took, like the state took precautions super early, which I'm so glad because we were, like I said, I think we were, I want to say at home, I think it started maybe March 21st or 22nd, which I was really surprised by. Like I said, we got hit super hard. And so I think they opened back up um, a few weeks ago. Now we have like gradually started um, coming off of stay-at-home artists. Uh, about a month ago, we went to like where business, businesses that weren't essential, essential could open up at 25% and the capacity. And then 
we, they watched that for two weeks and I think maybe just last week we're now at like 50% capacity but I have not ventured out to a thrift store yet so, so you've been pretty conservative so. through it all like not taking any yes chances. yeah I have it's, but I, my first chance actually was yesterday I've been like when I got home my, my throat started feeling a little funny but I know oh no funny. yes being, me being anxious because I went to Nordstrom Rack and yesterday with my mom it was packed. Like it was so many people. I was really shocked. And I was really glad people were ma- wearing masks for the most part. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I do feel comfortable because of course we had masks on. They even have masks. Like when you walk in, I guess if you didn't have any, they had the little um, blue mask you could put on. Oh, wow. Um, That's nice. That's yeah, good. They had hands. They had a, it was like very fancy. You had like a lady <laughs> with a, like a little station when you walked in. She had hand sanitizer. She had masks. She was like telling you it's 40% off. And, but yeah, still a lot of people. But yeah, for the most part, I still have just been trying to social distance as much as possible. Oh, that's good. I mean, it, I just feel like everybody is so different. And even when we were at our height of, you know, the cases being so crazy here in Massachusetts, we still did not have actual state shelter in place orders. Like it, it was still seemed like it was optional in our it state. It was suggested. It was suggested. <laughs> yeah, but, it was suggested you know, in Rhode if, Island too. <laughs> if you wanted to blow it off, you could, which blew my mind because it, it just, the numbers were increasing. But finally we're on, we're, where things are looking good right now. So I'm cautiously optimistic if people, I don't know, we'll see. The COVID conversation what happens? Could go on for days, right? We can yeah. go on forever. But. Yeah, could, yeah. And, yeah, and I- so Daniela, how are you doing this week? Um, I'm doing okay. So I haven't really done too much in terms of, you know, reseller. I've listed stuff. I've gone sourcing and, you know, I've, I've definitely checked out the local thrift stores. Um, you know, they're underwhelming. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can say it a hundred times. It's underwhelming. And, um, the prices are just really, really bad. Like I just, it's, it's bad. I posted a story. Um, so you, some of you guys might've seen it and it's just like 1699 for a made well dress that's used. (laughs) It's crazy. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I mean, I this is, like, yeah, we've had to be, I've definitely had to be more creative. I, I yes. think if you don't have a lot of time, then it can be very frustrating. And there, I mean, at first I was frustrated by the prices, Daniela and Jess, but then I just started to like laugh at them. Like when oh, they yeah. have like, a soft and sexy t-shirt for eleven ninety nine. I was like, ha ha ha. Yeah. yeah it's comical. Joke. It's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, like it's a joke, right? Like these, these prices are jokes. They're, they're not the real deal. It's, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what goes on the next few weeks here as we transition to phase three. You know, I don't, I don't know how that will change things, but um, I know they have donations. I know they're back there. I just don't like the way they're pricing them. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. But I've been doing a lot of online sourcing and you know, my sales are okay. Nothing crazy. They've def- they're definitely down the last two or three months, but I'm okay with it. You know, I, I have a full-time job so I can, I make it work. You know, that I don't, not that I don't rely on my reselling income because I do use it to pay off bills and, and savings and whatnot, but um, I'm just being more cautious in my spending and all of that. And uh, yeah, I haven't been feeling too great and I know I haven't been too vocal about it, but I've mm-hmm. had some stuff going on um, pulmonary wise and I'm fine. You know, I'm getting, I'm going for additional testing and stuff. It's just, I've been having some issues with my breathing and it's not COVID related (laughs) for anyone who was wondering, nothing is COVID related. It's just, there's something going on in my body and we're trying to figure out what it is. So Mm. hopefully with time it will calm down and I'll be okay. Every day I'm like, you don't have COVID, do you? No, I don't have COVID. Get another test. (laughs) Are you COVID positive like every day? I don't have COVID. I just can't breathe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. That's about it. 
poor thing. Yeah, it's okay. What about oh. you, Lori? Tell us about Lori's week. I don't even know. I can't even remember what I <laughs> ate for breakfast. Did you um, go to Nordstrom Rack yet, Lori? Totally off topic, but you guys just opened up Nordstrom Rack. So have you gone? Going tomorrow. My good Ooh. friend who messaged me and she said, oh, by the way, I went to Nordstrom Rack. Everything was 40% off. That's why when you said it, Jess, that was like, oh my gosh, that's right. I have to go there tomorrow. I, know. No, I, have I, might, I might come into Massachusetts this week and, and go to Nordstrom Rack. I'm not going to lie. I think I'm going to hit Nordstrom Rack and then um, do the savers. That's in the same town. And then, yeah. cause I haven't been to the one in Natick. So I don't know if I'll go tomorrow or the day after. Did you find some good deals, Jess, at um, Nordstrom Rack? Yeah, I was going to say that. I was, I was, well, not even just deals wise. I was just surprised at how much inventory they had. Oh, they had like, so much. Yes. Yeah, so, like so much. My mom, uh, she wanted to find some shoes and she had found, um, well, I found them cause it's crazy now with reselling just like I kind of like I was into fashion before then but there's just so many brands in the world it's mm-hmm. mind-boggling so much and to so, learn. Uh, yeah it's so many and so um we were because the way ours is it's shoe story so the shoes were um upstairs so we got on the escalators and I had seen a pair of she wanted some walking shoes because she's like gotten into walking and like uh, exercising and so I'd seen some echoes and like she stands at her job so I was like oh look at these uh, echo shoes and they're kind of they're not high top. They're not low either, but they're really nice black shoes. And they were, I think those retail for 168 and then they were on sale for, I think, 37 48 So they're about like $29 or something. And they're in very good condition. Because sometimes, uh, like when I think Nordstrom Rack gets returns, like on the ticket at the bottom, it'll say something like worn and refinished, but they were in really good condition. Huh. And then oh, for and I noticed that. And sometimes it will yeah. stay on the tag altered and something else on like the clothing. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And then I found some good, uh, for me, I uh, bought a pair of Madewell sandals, which they retail for 60, which actually kind of cheap because Madewell shoes are used like $98. Yeah. But they retail for, least, yeah. yeah. And they were on sale for twenty two forty nine. So with the additional 40% off, they were 13, but they are like, they're super cheap. Wow. Yes, I was so excited because I you find multiples of those, like one for you, no, one to sell, or would just... no? I wish. Well, <laughs> I was still, I was still trying to be like, I was kind of usually when I go to Nordstrom Rack, I'll stay for like probably like two or three hours, but I think we because we the line was pretty long, so maybe about thirty minutes in line, but mm-hmm. we still stood up staying two hours. But I was trying to still, even though I had mask on, it still was just like a lot of people, so I was kind of nervous. So I was mm-hmm. like, let me just be very specific with what I'm looking at. So I did look at the denim. But it's just like, cause usually they'll have it just bottoms, dresses and tops, but they had it like, um, active wear, shorts, pants, skirts, coats, scarves, dresses, mm-hmm. and like all the racks were full. So I don't know. I, I'm assuming they must have just a whole bunch of inventory to sell. Yes. I would definitely like, I don't want to <laughs> like push you, but I definitely encourage you because it was, and the prices were like, they were just really good. I did find a Love Shack fancy dress and it's velvet, but it's still cute. But with the 40% off, it ended up being $35.99. And I think oh, it's like right. a $500 dress. Yeah, oh, I was at, so um, worth it. That's totally so worth it. it. Yes. TJ Maxx, I had a Love Shack fancy dress and I was walking around the store. The price tag on it was $700. <gasps> but um, TJ's had it for $149. And then I'm like, Lori, put it down. $149 is way too expensive. But then I'm like, but it's retail for seven. Like I was going, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't think too lot, but $35 for Love Shack fancy. That is exciting. I was so happy. I really was. <laughs> that is so exciting. I will say, um, 
since you live in the South, Jessica, I just with the heat recently, we've had a heat wave um, around here. And for the first time, I'm having to wear my mask in the heat and I'm dying. Like it's a totally different experience. And then I thought to myself, I can't imagine like being somewhere where it's been hot since we've been in shelter in place since like March and people have been dealing with this since the word, like since the beginning, because things are actually starting to loosen up around here. And it's still like it, it changes my whole experience when I'm out. Yes, I'm very particular. Like I have, um, I'm really big on ICs. So I'll go to the gas station every day. And even then I still put my mask on, but, um, Besides going to the gas station and to the grocery store, I really have just been staying at home. And I didn't really think about it because I do see people out without masks and it just, I just get so annoyed. So I'm like, who do you think you are? Yeah, I guess I maybe that's why they're not wearing it because of the heat, but still. And yeah, now it has been a little, um, yeah. And I, have, I wear glasses too. So sometimes of course, when I'm oh, they do. Yeah, you <laughs> too, my friend, they just fog up the whole time. Oh, that's what my husband was saying. That's been his complaint. So he like pinches the thing on his nose so it doesn't fog up quite as bit. Okay. See what I was saying, Jessica? We just go off. We just go in a million directions. We go off. So (laughs) it's okay. I'm super introverted, but I've been like locked down forever. So the conversation is much needed. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, (laughs) gosh. Just talking out loud to somebody. It's so nice. I'm so happy you're on here. So I just want to back up a little bit and talk about why of all people, like I was just kind of glued to your stories, Jessica. So I think that, you know, during the time post George Floyd, things kind of froze for a lot of us. And it was kind of still, we were still in the middle of COVID and then this happened. And um, it's actually pretty exciting to me to see that there's this like resurgence of a civil rights movement. I think, I feel like change is happening. Do you feel that way, Jessica? I feel like it's happening. I feel like we're living through, I'm hoping that we're going in that direction. But I will also say that I probably wasn't as uh, verbal about what was going on because I was kind of taking it all in. And to be really blunt and honest, I was like, I don't really know what this white girl can contribute to this conversation. Like I found myself appreciating what everybody was saying and you know, Blackout Tuesday, I was okay with, but I was like, it it was like, it was a lot of stuff on social media, like everywhere you went, but it, it started to get to be like white noise to me because it was everywhere. But for whatever reason on your stories, I just felt like you were being like, you were really sending a strong message with, without being negative. And, and just like, I felt like there was hope in everything you said, but you also like set people straight as well. You know, um, I don't know. It just gave me perspective. And I, and it took me a while to like work up the nerve to even ask you to be on the podcast, because I feel like there's a lot of awkward conversation on my end. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like before we got onto the podcast, I, I asked, um, Jessica, like, would you like to be called a woman of color or would you like to be called a black woman? Because as a white woman, I get awkward around that stuff and I want to say the right thing. So forgive me if I have like, if I say the wrong thing on the show, I just really want you to talk to us about what is, what we can do to be helpful or what, you know, what your expectation is or what your hope is for the future here. And um, I don't know, I'm going to stop talking because I want to, 
put the floor over to you and tell us a little bit about, are you full-time, part-time reseller? How long have you been reselling and kind of the message and why you're here to chat with us a little bit, Jessica? Oh, well, first, thank you so much because I just feel like, I just feel like I'm just one little person in the world. But um, I started reselling. Every time I tell this story, it kind of surprises me and as much I'm sure it surprises other people. But I graduated college in 2013. Um, and then, but like with my college, it's pretty small. And so I didn't actually get my degree until 2014. I finished in the fall of 13 and uh, spring of 14 is when I got my degree in mathematics, which I really don't like besides being a teacher, there's not that much you can do with that. And I'm not interested in teaching. So I didn't really know where I wanted to go. And then a friend of mine from high school, he like made a, um, a tweet on Twitter. I was like saying, does anybody need a job at a bank? So I ended up applying for the job, even though I never wanted to work at a bank. Cause like, I'm like, I'm paranoid about a lot of things. And I was always scared about getting robbed, which didn't happen while I was there. But like, that was always in the back of my mind. So I was like, I don't want to work there, but I wasn't working. So then I applied there. I worked there for about two years. And then I don't know, I turned 25 and I was like, yeah, this isn't really where I want to go with life. I was still living at home with my mom, my aunt, my uncle. And then I was just like, okay, I'll figure something out. I was like, but I don't really like, like what I'm doing. So I quit my job in November of 2016. And then I had already had my Instagram account for couponing because me and my mom a few years before then I got super, like super into couponing. And so I didn't want to like flood my personal Instagram with that. So I was like, okay, I'll make a second Instagram excuse me so then so like I'm at home for like a month or so just binging a whole bunch of tv on Netflix and Hulu and I was on the Instagram and this one lady I followed she was a couponer and she posted like she posted somebody in the reselling community I had never even heard of the word reselling I didn't know what it was or anything about that so she had mentioned um John at Travel and Thrift and so I went to his page and then like he was shouted like the Posh Hanger and Nicole State and Cindy had amazing taste and so then I just I don't know like this was in January of 2017 so I started mm -hmm. clicking and I was like I, I don't know it was just like almost like a whole new world like literally was open and I was like what like people I like I've, my aunt has bought a few things on Craigslist but I never thought about like selling stuff in general and I never definitely not thought about selling stuff as a living so then of course I see the hashtags so I go back on the reselling community and then like a lot of times people are just shouting out different people and so like I'm going through people's Instagram profiles I'm looking at stuff on YouTube and then I want to say so I signed up for Poshmark I think January 25th I hadn't even heard I hadn't seen a commercial for Poshmark I hadn't seen it on Facebook nothing like that signed up for Poshmark January 25th I don't remember when I signed up for eBay, but I think the same day. And then I made eBay store on February 14th of 2017. And then since then, it's just been a huge, like, learning experience. I just, I just, I never would have thought this is where I would be in life. So you're doing this full time. Yeah. And so I was like, so when I first did it, I was like, oh, well, I'll just do it right now full time until I find something else to do. And I kept saying until I find something else, but like, I'm really, honestly, I'm really lazy. I don't like updating my resume. I don't like job searching. I don't like none of that stuff appeals to me. I just kind of, I guess, I don't know, maybe because I'm a millennial, I kind of wanted to follow the sky. But I was like, well, if nothing like, like comes across my path, I'm not going to look for it. And so I just kept doing this. And I do remember going to a Plato's closet. They were having a 70% off sale and I found some uh, clothes then. And like my pictures from back then are 
they're embarrassing. Like, I, oh, all of our pictures from the beginning right? are embarrassing. <laughs> it's so bad. I love looking I got, back. Yes, I got this um, tapestry from uh, Five Below, I think, same in the store. I yep. got like, this colorful tapestry. I had this wrinkled, pale pink Forever 21 maxi dress. You can't even see the full dress in the picture. Like, it's, it's so bad. That was my first uh, sold listing on Poshmark. And then there's the thrift store um, that was local to me where each month they have like 99 cent tags. And so I remember going there and getting like 70 or 80 items. Cause I still, I still didn't know what I was doing. So to me, uh, I got like J crew, banana Republic and Taylor and Talbot's. I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm hot stuff. Like I'm getting super expensive brands <laughs> at 99 cents. And then I'm doing 99 cent auctions and most of them are selling at like 99 or dollar 99. Cause you so I always tell people, yeah, I was doing auction because I just I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to ship. I didn't know how to package things. Nothing. Like I still remember. Like I can see it. Like I had I had a package in a priority box, and I had the first class label printed out because I didn't have. A oh, printed. I've done that. Yes. And so I walked up, and the lady she was like, "Ma'am, you can't do that." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" She was like, "You can't do that." That's why I tell people like, "There's nothing you can tell me like that's embarrassing." People's like, "I don't know where to start." I like neither did I. Like you can't. I can kind of tell you what to do, but you just have to make the mistakes because the only way I learned how to ship was shipping incorrectly. Correct. Like, yeah. I've but also, been- just to interrupt you for a second, Jessica, this is 2017. I compare even what's accessible, like video-wise, to when I started in 2018, and I feel like it has like exploded. Like, what's available for content? So, even if you started in 2017. Yes, Nicole State was out and maybe, I don't even know if Empty Hanger was out at that point, but like, I do feel like you I don't probably think had, was. you had less resources in 2017, even just three years ago compared to now. I feel like there are so many reselling videos. Yeah, there's so much information out now. And then like, I'm also, I'm the type who I do like to learn on my own, but also like, like that, that Instagram was for couponing. And so like this had become, become like a really big, I wouldn't say an issue, but like people will kind of ask like re um, experience couponers like how to coupon and it was always like a no no you don't ask so I never wanted somebody to call me out in the reselling community so I never would ask questions I would just, oh. I would just be on Instagram all because I was so scared of people being like me like you need to figure out for yourself so I would just be on Instagram most of the day and like trying to take notes and just like absorb all the information because I was like I don't want anybody to be like you need to learn on your own like I was kind of scared to get my feelings hurt. So I was like, I'll just keep figuring it out until. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a good way. It's a good way to be resourceful because sometimes people ask questions and I'm happy to answer questions, but a lot of the answers are out there now if you dig a little bit. So yes, you were definitely and, resourceful. Yeah. I was. And I do remember seeing sometimes like people who have been doing this for years being like, yeah, people only last two years and this and that. And I was like, I don't know. It was kind of welcoming, but it was also kind of, because I feel like the couponing community was kind of having that same thing too, to where I think, because at one point it was becoming like, couponing had become like this huge thing, especially after extreme couponing, like the show on TLC. And so I guess people kind of felt like their little world was being exposed or infiltrated. So they almost kind of wanted to like hoard the information. And so when I joined the reselling community, I was kind of getting that same vibe as well. Like we were here first, you need to figure it out on your own. And if you don't, oh, well, you weren't cut out for it. Do you feel like there's been a shift in the way the community uh, responds to one another now? 
Yeah, because I think because there's so many um, like newer people, well, what I consider new, like, I guess mm-hmm. the people who I've seen will come after me. And I think that has, I guess like with any other thing, like you have a wave and then like a big wave and then people die out from it and then new people come in. So yeah. I do think it's more accepting now. And like you said, there's so much information out there that like, I, think, I feel like the wealth of information out there makes people more comfortable with talking about things since it's already out there. So you don't feel like, oh, I'm the one giving away this quote unquote like secret. trade secrets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one thing that I still avoid talking about when it happens is retail arbitrage. Like I don't always do like a, a haul with retail arbitrage because I feel like everybody else is shopping at Nordstrom Rack or at TJ Maxx. And that's the one thing it's almost like you don't want to blow someone's cover if they just bought a, a wave of, you know, rag and bone jeans that they're going to list. And then everybody, you know, I feel like even the yellow tag sale at TJ's has been watered down a little bit because of the reselling community because it's it's all hyped up now so it clears out so fast so yes i, I feel too yeah i was just gonna say talking about the yellow tag sale it's funny that you mentioned that because when i was in tj maxx um last week i was actually buying stuff for myself i was not buying reselling stuff and one thing that i purchased was a red tag and i had just kind of the cashier is super nice and we were talking and i said to her i said oh i said even for a red tag price like this is still kind of expensive. And she was like, yeah, they're starting to move away from yellow tag because of resellers. Um, So (laughs) it will be interesting to see what happens going forward. But when she said to me, I was like, oh, really? Like, you know, obviously playing dumb. (laughs) Um, And uh, and she was like, yeah, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk about that. And we're trying not to let items get to the yellow tag phase anymore and, and have it just stay at the red tag phase. So... I don't know if that's just something around here or what, but I was, I was like, oh, okay. I don't really do the old tag sale anyway, so it really doesn't affect me, but I thought that was interesting. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Jessica, I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's okay. No, I like back and forth conversation. I get yeah. tired of hearing myself talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I get obnoxious after a while. But um, oh, no. yeah, I agree with that too about, because I, I don't want people to think that I think that you should tell everything about your business because I absolutely don't think that. And I do think, now I like you asked me if I think that's changed I do and I feel like it's kind of like the pendulum swung from nobody saying anything to now people telling everything mm-hmm. and it's really hard to find a balance and like a lot of that stuff is coming back to bite us in the butt and like I guess I was saying specifically more about uh thread ups and their thread up in their lux program mm-hmm. so I remember when the lux program came out and it was like almost kind of be invited to it and I have been using thread up just to send uh, like those items that I would get for 99 cents that I didn't know back then weren't good. Cause I didn't know anything about looking up sold or anything. I just went off of what I knew, which were mall brands, which to mm-hmm. me was like, like anthropology and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, cause to me, even now, even still anthropology to me is crazy expensive. It is. So I was just buying, yeah, I was buying stuff like that. So then, um, so I was sending things to throw up. So I kind of had like, I guess, history with them. So I did get an email about joining the Lux program which I accepted, but then it became where you could um, request labels, which you can still do that now. And I remember all the YouTube videos being like, oh yeah, you know, I send, I'll like, I'll ask for a Lux label. Cause you know, Lux should be Lux items. And mm-hmm. I never tried to abuse, like I'm not judging anybody that did this, but I didn't do it because I, I don't know, my mind is so like paranoid, analytical. You're a rule like, follower. Kind of, yeah, but well, I she's just, a like, they major. So yeah. analytics. Yeah, so, yeah. It's very black and white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I look at things very, there's not much mm-hmm. gray area. And so I was like, well, I don't want them to start 
taking less things from my regular boxes because I'm abusing the luck system. Even I know different people process your boxes and stuff. I just want, I guess my account to be flagged as somebody who wasn't really sending in a lot of Lux items in the Lux box. So I really tried to stick with sending Lux items in. I do remember seeing some YouTube videos where people were like, yeah, because with the Lux items, they do get processed faster and the high, the payout is better and they'll send your stuff back for free. Cause like, if you want your stuff back from thread up just a regular program, you have to pay 10.99. So people right, right. were kind of trying to yeah, skirt the system. And then I remember about maybe three or four weeks ago, thread up putting out um, an announcement that if you send in like items with their Lux label, they have to be, the, the box has to be majority Lux. Yep. So oh, I, do, I saw it. Yeah, they used to just be one item. Yeah, at least one. Yeah. And now I was like, it's just so hard. Like, I understand that we, we do want to be helpful, like, you know, to people because it is, it's a place, like, this is a community or just uh, an occupation. You don't know where to start and it can be very scary. But then yeah. I do feel like we've almost kind of been like, like an overload of information, too much information. And then, like companies are picking up on stuff like that. So it is hard yeah, to keep no, that balance. I, I agree, Jess. That's a really interesting perspective. And one to to keep in mind as, as a content creator, having a podcast, having YouTube, you know, how much should we be sharing? You know, there are people that don't share their cost of goods. Um, there are people that obviously, I think one of the hot things right now is pallets. And, you know, oh, obviously yeah. oh, people God. aren't going to share <laughs> where they're getting their pallets from. And I completely respect that, you know, and we've always said, you know, Walmart doesn't tell Nordstrom where they get stuff, you know, like it's just, but it's interesting because we have this culture of sharing. So yeah, how much is too much and how much will it affect our business moving forward? It's, it's a really, it's an interesting perspective. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I think we're starting to see the shift too, where you're seeing retailers join forces with ThreadUp. So they're listening, they're watching. It's just interesting to see where it'll go in the future and what it'll mean for resellers that are doing this full time. Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a time as a reseller where we can chill out because I just right. feel like it changes every day. Like right now, like you were saying, Daniela, we're dealing with high prices at the thrift store. So what do we do? Yep. So we're thrifting online, maybe more yard sales, porch pickups. Yep. your own closet. You know, we are always evolving. And Jessica, I did want to make one point because you said you were lazy about getting jobs and stuff. And I've said this before because I used to consider myself a lazy, well, not lazy, but I, I wasn't like very career minded. Um, and my man, Gary V, who I love, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary V, but um, he's He's a very untraditional businessman, entrepreneur. And one of the things he said is, you're not lazy. You just haven't found what you love to do yet. Because yeah. I bet you're not lazy with reselling, right? <laughs> no, I had. And like, it was crazy because to me, I don't, reselling is not, um, it's not a bad thing, but it's not like, I guess if you were to ask, if I knew what it was growing up, I wouldn't put down, oh, I want to be a reseller when I grow up. Like I always had, I guess, maybe bigger aspirations. But like, I kind of knew I was doing the right thing because like my mom, she helps me out a lot. Like we don't live together anymore now, 
but even like when we were living together she helped me source and even now sometimes she'll find things and she's actually even gotten um onto my car herself herself well she'd be like she'll always she had been saying the past couple years like I'm so glad you found something you like to do I'm so proud of you and like I wasn't like a bad kid but I never really heard her say those words so I was like okay like I don't need to be so concerned about I guess what I look like like what my job looks like on paper as long as I'm you know having enough money to support myself what I need to support oh that's so nice and it means a lot coming from your mom too to kind of get that approval or just her blessing more or less you know to just to validate what you were doing yeah because it does feel because yeah I would feel like I have to almost explain myself so it sounds you know it sounds weird and then I guess to me also I guess being what people will consider smart, I guess. Like, I don't want to put that down to myself. But people always, I guess, just looked at to me as being smart. And so I feel like saying, yeah, I don't have a job. I just sell stuff online. It sounds like yeah. weird. And so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care what people think anymore. Especially now, like now, especially even people younger than me, like my ancestors too, like people my age and younger, they really aren't into nine to five, which is nothing wrong with nine to five. Like it's <laughs> so stable and health insurance and all that. But I feel like there is like this new wave of people looking for different, ways to make income. I was just going to say that I don't think, I don't think reselling is such a novelty thing anymore. I think so many people dabble in it now across all the age groups that it's, it's becoming more of a norm than it ever was before. Yes. But to your point about the nine to five, yeah, my, my, my son who's 21, he's like, mom, the thought of being at a desk all day, like actually terrifies me. And, And he's very hardworking. He's just, he's a millennial and he's just, uh, he just wants, I don't know, is he 21 or is that the neck? Is that beyond? Uh, that would be Gen Z. I don't know. I know Gen I'm Z. millennial. I'm like the yeah, Gen Z. Yeah, that's Gen Z. But yeah, um, yeah he, it is a non-traditional thing. But I, I also want to say, Jessica, about being a, like a smart, a smart math, or I should say smart because I'm from Boston. A smart, wicked smart. <laughs> a wicked smart math person. Um, I think it's phenomenal to have that side of your brain be high performing when you're a reseller because I math is, I mean, I'm, I'm strong in math, but I'm not like an analytical person. So, um, you know, bookkeeping organization inventory, like a lot of that part of the business I struggle with. And I always feel like people who are good at that to begin with, I feel like that is such a bonus. Um, if you're doing that, if you, if you're a reseller who also is that side of the brain developed, (laughs) Does that make sense? No, actually it isn't because I don't have any legit bookkeeping. And I was talking about that the other day too. I need to do my taxes. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't, like my receipt is all over the place. My, I'm currently in my, um, the other bedroom because I live with my dad now. Stuff is all over the place. I wish <laughs> I had that side. And it's not, it's like, in everything else in life, I do have that. But like where I should have it the most, it's not there. But I will say working at the bank has definitely prepared me like financially or be more um, financially literate. So like, that's not something we learn about in school. And it's definitely like money isn't really talked about, in my opinion, in the black community. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I was at the bank, I just I just learned so much information. Like, like I had a checking account and I had a savings account, but like that's kind of like the gist of it. But I didn't really know just how it all worked. I, so I started like another savings account while I was there. I didn't, I hadn't even heard of like an IRA or a Roth IRA or anything like that. And just being in that atmosphere for two years, I've just, I've learned so much about money. And I don't understand why we don't talk about money more, especially as women and as black people. It's just like money is not a taboo thing and we need to be so much more financially literate than what we are. 
I feel like personal finance, like my son, Anthony took it in high school and my daughter took it, but it is an elective. And I'm like, how is that right? not a mandatory class? Like you should all be taking personal finance. I should take a personal finance class. I clearly never Me took too. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's interesting. So what, I don't know if I caught the transition from working at the bank, Jessica, to reselling. Uh, I quit. I I, say, I think my last day was November 4th, 2016. I just said I wasn't happy. And I wasn't a place like, I always say like, if you're not happy with something, you shouldn't do it. But also like, I have to realize I was at a place where I still lived at home. So of course, like I was able to quit. Like, I don't think you should quit your job when you have people relying on you, no matter right. how unhappy you are. But I was like, yeah, I'm just not really feeling this. And so I just said, I'll wait and figure out something. So November came like I, said, I was watching like a whole bunch of Netflix and like Hulu and then December came and then I was going to actually I remember I was going to take a um like a, t a state test so I could like possibly get a job with the state you had to kind of take these tests before you can even apply for some of the jobs and I had set an alarm one day to like wake up early and go downtown and I didn't end up going and I was like mm, whatever and then sometime in January is just when I just happened to see that lady I was talking about Oh, right, right, yeah. right. All right. And so, I just like dove into it, which is, I've never done anything like that before either. Just like, yeah, just kind of around the clock. It's the first thing you think about when you wake up, the last thing before bed. Yeah, and I was just like, never, enough. yeah, yeah, that's exactly, exactly what it was. And like, I've started, which I still have, I started like a, um, a personal bolo list and notes. Because like I said, at that time, even if people weren't, even if I was scared to ask, there were people who were still just mentioning stuff. And it was just brands I had never heard of and even now I still don't really hear about them in like mainstream culture I'll just hear about them in the reselling community mm -hmm. right things that will flip for a lot yeah but also Louisiana is so behind like when it comes to fashion and stuff are you near a city yes um growing up I was a little near the capital kind of mm -hmm. near the capital like growing up it was like 30 minutes away so back but back then it seemed so far away so it was really it wasn't often I would go into like city which is Baton Rouge Mm -hmm. um but if we do get something it comes to new orleans so we just got okay h&m came here maybe five years ago mm -hmm. maybe at the early oh, wow. latest and then yes and then zara we just got a zara i think last year is when it opened up or the year before like fashion here is just so it's really behind like, even it's not just fashion it's anything yes like yeah. it's <laughs> i wouldn't really call any part of us the fashion capital so like, yeah, I, get, I mean, because I didn't know about Lululemon until recently. I'd never heard of that name. Oh, that's interesting. I went to New Orleans right when they reopened after Katrina. It was the best trip ever. One of my friends turned 40 and um, we went down there and it was really interesting because a lot of the surrounding air, we went golfing one day, which I'd never been golfing. I haven't been since, but we went and like the neighborhoods, you, you could see all of the aftermath of Katrina and they were just they had just reopened hotels so we got like a great deal because they wanted tourists to come back and give back to the community but what an awesome city I had so much fun and then my son applied to Tulane and he got really? into Tulane um, but he didn't get any money so uh, we he ended up going to Penn State but loved the recruiter there and everybody we know who goes to Tulane absolutely loves it <laughs> Yeah, Tulane is expensive. Oh, <laughs> like, expensive. It was like yeah, I went ridiculous. To, hmm. Yeah, I went to college down here, which is Xavier, which is a um, historically black college. 
and it's a private college so it was pretty expensive as well and <laughs> still paying off student loans from that yes the student loan things uh daniela is working hard to pay her student but didn't you just pay one off daniela I paid off my undergraduate, but my graduate loan isn't going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> that thing's going to be around for at least 30 years, so that'll be fun. My goal is to pay it off within the next 15, but, you know, um, between that and saving for a house, you know, something's got to give. But that, um, that graduate loan kills me. Oh. Kills me. It's a lot. Very That's fortunate pretty. and very happy for the education that I have and the opportunities that I had. However, um, the repayment process is, is tough. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Uh, Jessica, talk a little bit about college. Was it, uh, were you debating between, uh, a few colleges? Did you know that you wanted to go to a primary, primarily black college? No, I didn't actually. Um, again, being, okay, I wouldn't call it lazy. I'm just a very big procrastinator. Mm -hmm. I'd always been that way, but then like in the past year or so, I realized it was just because I was anxious and I'm like very, I guess, nervous about failure or unacceptance. Like that's why I drag my feet. Mm -hmm. So um, my middle school actually was like in the country, what I call the country. And then my mom moved us to Baton Rouge, the city for high school because my middle school was very small. It was from fourth to eighth grade, 280 kids who had all known each other since <laughs> we grew up together. Mm -hmm. And all of those kids went off to like the local high school, except for me and another friend. Uh, our parents put us to other schools, and so that school was honestly it was it was half and half, but it was black and white, and that was it. Like I had never seen any other like color of people, and we had one Asian girl. Hmm. And then so like my graduating class of eighth grade was fifty people, and then my high school, the incoming freshman class was four hundred kids. I was like, no what? I was like, yeah, I was like, this is more kids than I had ever been around like in just my whole middle school I guess is one grade and that was uh that school was it's a magnet school mm -hmm. and so it was very hard to get it not not that, that hard but there's a waiting list because it is a really good school and it's it's a public school so you don't have to pay for it so right. like a lot of people really want to go there and it was a really good school it still is but it was uh 50 black and 50 percent non-black so that was the first time I'd been around like a lot of Indian people Asian people like the culture it was just crazy it was so mixed like I had never been around like just different people besides black and white and so then my best friend from uh, high school which she's still my best friend until today she's a year older than me and she wanted to be a pharmacist which she is now and Xavier is has a, a college of pharmacy mm -hmm. which is a really pretty like it's it's a really good college pharmacy a lot of people want to go to it so I remember she went to uh, Xavier <laughs> And she she came back home because New Orleans and Baton Rouge are about like an hour and a half apart. Depends on how fast you're driving. Maybe like an hour and 10 minutes. So she was, she came back home on the weekend and she came over and she was like, oh my God, she was talking about how, like, how much she liked it and stuff like that. And so I was just like, I, had, I didn't really have anything in mind, honestly. I didn't know where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do with my life. And so I was like, okay, so Xavier honestly was the only place I applied to. And then I got in. And then when I went, I didn't I didn't even think, I didn't think that much about it being black college. It never, it didn't like cross my mind. It wasn't like the reason why I went, but I am glad that I did because the experience I will say was like unlike anything else. How so? How's it? Um, well, the first thing was the first time I didn't feel like a minority anywhere. And then like just going, and I guess, I guess like when we were talking about earlier, like growing up, my circle of friends in elementary middle school were white. And mm -hmm. so we always like, we like they knew they were white I knew I was black 
and we were just like we got along because we were friends and that was it but then going to college I didn't realize I guess just like how rich and different black culture is and so even like just hair things music dressing just different things and then like even growing up I was in like beta club and which like a few of my friends like yeah we were smart but it wasn't like that many black people in beta club so it almost always felt like kind of more like the exception like oh you're that, that smart black girl but mm-hmm. at Xavier it, like it doesn't being black doesn't it's like not, it doesn't define you and I didn't have to worry about because even me like going to um there like I know earlier we were talking about like biases and stuff like I had to like kind of change some of my my ways of thinking because I it's like a liberal arts college and it's a Catholic college as well so there's some classes that we're required to take for our um, degree so yep. we have to take like African-American history classes and we have to take theology classes so like I remember my sophomore year I took an African-American history class and I remember my teacher with Dr. Doris who's like one of probably the best teachers I've ever had tall very tall guy brown bald head and I was like oh like I assume I'm like oh he's like straight from Africa just by the way he looks and he's from like a neighboring parish and then my last semester I took another African-American history class so like, I was kind of late for class that day and I couldn't remember what room it was in and so I look in and I see a white teacher I'm like what is he going to tell me about Africa so I was like this must be the wrong class <laughs> so I take my syllabus out of my backpack and I'm like no this is the right classroom and then he actually like he was a white professor but he had and when he was in college I think he he got into, into his senior year I can't remember what his first major was but he took a trip to Ghana his senior year and then he came back and did like an African history um like an African studies degree and it was wow. just crazy because I was like so I remember my first thought was like what can this white man tell me about Africa and he taught me so much about uh-huh. the content of- yeah it was crazy one of my favorite classes that I took one of my favorite courses I should say that I took when I was an undergraduate at Rhode Island College was my African studies class and I'll never forget the teacher he was amazing his name was Obadiah and he was from Nigeria and the things that he taught me and the books that we read and the stories that he had was just it was so eye-opening and all of us thoroughly enjoyed just sitting that class and just learning from him like we could just sit there and talk about like his life experiences while he was in Nigeria and everything. And it was just, it was just really eye-opening at the young age of 19 years old to hear, you know, this man talk about African studies. And we would read all these different books that you would never find in Barnes and Noble. Like, it's just not something that you would find. And it was, I loved it. I wish I could take another, and I probably could if I wanted to take another course related to it. Um, and maybe I will. I don't know. Maybe there's some online courses I could take that would bounce off of what I learned when I was in, in my undergraduate program, but I loved it. That's great. And it's interesting to hear you say, Jessica, like, you know, what's this guy going to teach me in, in the yeah. irony? <laughs> and that your first professor was from like a local parish, but you yes. thought he was from Africa yeah, like, <laughs> because so he was brown. Yes. Yeah. He looks like what I assume. Yeah. And then that professor too, the second professor, which I've, I can't remember his name, which I'm so sorry. But he, like, he, like, he really taught us so much. And he also made sure, like, he also made sure to, like, the way that we speak about it as well, to, like, make sure that we call it the content of Africa, because it has, like, over 60 countries. Yep. So the first thing, actually, for his class, we had to do, we had to, um, he gave us a map of Africa, and we had to, like, this was hard, we had to learn every, like, every country and every city. Oh, my God. That's so, very yeah. difficult. And so, 
It was, and thank, but the way I did it, I kind of color coded a little bit. So like you fill it all out on the map and then you have to take a quiz. Like that was one of your quizzes you would take and you could take it as many times as you needed. I only had to take it one time, but yeah, he just made it to like, made it to where we can like realize what it was. And it was, um, I think maybe it was Africa in the world or something like that. And like, cause he even explained to us like what Afrocentric means. Cause we just thought it was like, oh, coming from Africa or just like about Africa. But he was like, no, Afrocentric is more about the continent of Africa and it's like effect on the world and like how many, how like different civilizations on the continent mm-hmm. impacted other civilizations. Yeah, it was just, it was a really eye-opening class. And it was definitely one where I realized, yeah, I, I like, I'm not a white person, but there's still different biases I might have myself about people that don't look like me. I was and just like, going to say that yeah. no matter what color our skin is or what our ethnicity or culture is, we all have these underlying biases that we don't even realize we have until we're confronted with something. And then we sit back and we're like, oh, well, I totally misjudged all of that, you know, and you'll just open up your mind to it all. Well, yeah. And where you said that you came from a community that was, it was a smaller community, like in your earlier grade school Mm -hmm. and it was black and white. Um, But then, you know, this whole big world in college and, and all the, I guess, for lack of a better word, like the different types of black people, because obviously. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, you can say that's, that's how I felt. It was so weird. Because I, like, I do kind of like, I sometimes I regret like the feelings I had when I was younger, but I'm like, it's okay, I learned. Because um, like each summer I was going, because like I said, where I live is about 30 minutes outside of the capital. Um, depends on like where you're going in the city. But where I live is really like the country, like across the street from my home, like my, where my mom and my aunt still live is the Caneville. Like it's, it's very, very rural. And so like a lot of people, like I went to middle school with, and like, I'm not, like, I don't like going or not going to college doesn't determine like the kind of person you are. But like back then, even in middle school, it kind of was like, or like my friends who I went to middle school with, like the high school they went to, it was kind of like, oh, are you or are you not going to college? But in my high school, it wasn't like, are you going to college? It was what college are you going to? Like the mm-hmm. difference in perspective were just different too. The, di- the expectations the, were different. Yeah, yeah, the expectations. Yeah, because I remember mom even tells me, like I remember her telling me a lot, like when they were growing up, um, like in high school, she said that they would, like with the black kids, they would come and like tell them, like she's like, they didn't tell them about college. They would tell them about different trade schools and stuff to go to. And like the white kids were like the ones who were being told about going to college and stuff. Mm. Because my, yeah, my oldest cousin is actually the first person like in our family to go to college. So did you, do you think that because you were like a smart kid, that was the path you were on because you were, you were bright, but that wasn't the expectation for most people in your community or just for black people in general in your community, but you were like yeah, identified at a young age as like a bright kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember taking the gifted uh, test in second grade. I didn't get into it, but I do remember taking that. And like I said, because I always felt like, it always it did feel like just different, like being the quote unquote smart black kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, there's another college here too, which is the largest HBCU in um, the United States, Southern. It's like, it's really big for their band. Like it goes by the human jukebox. And they're also really big. They're, Southern is big. Uh, they're known for their law school, their nursing school and their engineering program. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this bus driver I had when I was in middle school, she had asked me, she was like, what's your GPA? And like my middle school, it was easy. Like it wasn't that hard. And I was like a 4.0. And she's like, oh, you should like apply to go to the summer program. So there was the program at Southern, which like I said, is the um, HBCU as well. And it was this uh, engineering summer program. And that was the summer before my sixth grade. 
And that was the first time I had been around all black people as well. And it was the first time I was like, I realized like, oh, it's, it's normal for black people to be smart. Cause like the people, I, and even the kids I went to school with, they weren't dumb. It's just, they weren't really given the same expectations as like other people. Well, and I think Looking that, back, like, that yeah. speaks a lot to just the general, um, perception i guess like like that a smart black girl is an exception and not the rule yeah, and why, yeah. why do we feel that way why did you feel that way i don't know and it's crazy because like, like i said even back then this was the 2000s so race wasn't a huge issue or wasn't like really talked about as much and, or like you didn't think it's like we all had like like i said looking back i realized we all had our own <laughs> inherent biases and like i'll tell this story a lot and like i'm sure people like get tired of me hearing it but like this is one like that just stuck with me so with beta club i think we had to have like a 3.1 or something so for the most part it was it was like a few of us we were all friends but i was i think the only black girl and my friend whitney and i remember like my best friend like this girl who's my best friend we had gone to the nursing home to do like i think to sing for christmas or something and they were all hanging out um like in that area it's like this river called false river so we're all hanging out and sitting on the docks or whatever and my friend and she was like how come you're so smart? Black people aren't supposed to be smart. And I was like, I don't know. Cause I didn't know what to say to that. I'm like, I don't like, I, wow. I didn't, I don't know. So yeah, yeah. I just said, I don't know. And so, um, and so like, I, that always sticks with me. Cause I'm like, it was just weird. So I always felt like, yeah, like it was like, it wasn't normal for black people to be, you know, quote unquote smart. And so, cause like a lot of the black kids I'm thinking about like growing back up, they weren't in beta club and it is like, it's a black and white issue for sure. But I think it's also a regional issue because even a lot of the white kids I went to school with, like I grew up with, they didn't go to college either. It's just like, we're so, I don't know, it was just, it was just a very rural area. And like college just seemed like such a big. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that too. Yeah. I, one of the things that I struggle with, Jessica, is like um, somebody I was watching about, uh, I think I was watching, do you know Twitch and um, Allison? Mm-hmm dance the dancer twitch from oh sorry twitch. yeah yeah so you think you can before. dance well they did this thing on instagram um and it was like put a finger down if you know someone's ever clutched their purse when you walk by and twitch put a finger down like put a finger down if you've been pulled over because of the color of your skin and twitch put a finger down and his wife is white and like oh, okay. she did she did not put a finger down for 10 questions until it was put a finger down if you feared for your child because they are black. And then that was like the one finger she put down and it was very powerful. And one of the things was um, put a finger down if somebody has moved away from you when you got on an elevator or something like that. And, and then I challenged myself like, um, so this, this is what I struggle with as a white person. Like, so if some, if a man gets on an elevator with me, just depending on the look in his eye or how I feel like my, you know, when you trust your gut, sometimes I'm comfortable with it. And sometimes I'm not And and for real, it doesn't necessarily matter if he's black or white, there could be a white guy that really gives me this a skeevy vibe and I will get off the elevator. And there could be a black guy that make makes eye contact with me and smiles and he gets on and we have a conversation and I'm fine. But I always feel self-conscious like, well, if there was a black guy who got on the elevator and made me feel uncomfortable and I got off the elevator, is he only going to see me as, well, she's racist and that's why she's getting off? Or is it more like you're a big guy and I'm a woman and I feel uncomfortable being in an elevator alone with a man? It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. But I feel like the perception is that it's always about race, 
even when it's not, you know what I mean? And I struggle mm-hmm. with that a little bit and, and I want to like to do the right thing. This is actually a funny story and this is a true story. My mother-in-law was at the casino in um, Connecticut and I don't know if you're familiar with baseball, Jessica, but uh, do you know who Big Poppy is, David Ortiz? I've heard that um, name, but I don't know who that is. All right. Well, he's like, he's like a legend in Boston. And if you're like a, a baseball fan, he's from the Dominican Republic um, and big, handsome black guy, love him so much. And my mother-in-law got on the elevator at a casino and big poppy walked on with three of his bodyguards, but she was alone on the elevator. And she said she was frightened that she got, because there were these three big black guys that got on the elevator with her and they were staring at her and she was like looking at the ground and she said she was nervous because she was alone. And then they busted out laughing and then they said, do you have any idea who this is? And she's like, no, I don't. And she was like, quiet. And they said, this is Big Poppy from the Red Sox. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's big. But she like, didn't even like, I think she was afraid to, she was like nervous. She felt like threatened on the elevator enclosed. And I'm like, wow, is that almost a missed opportunity? I'm like, I would have been jumping on him. (laughs) But an interesting story, but it, it is, there's, there are a lot of questions around it all, you know, and, and I think it's really interesting to hear your perspective um, which I had no idea before this conversation, just like, you know, where you grew up and then going to a college um, that was, so tell me a little bit about your magnet school. So you had to apply to get in. Was it specifically for math students? Was it like oh, a no, math enrichment it's, school? Mm-mm. It's just a, um, just a magnet school. No, it's just a very good school. Um, maybe I guess it could be considered college prep, but um, we don't, we didn't have a football team. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't remember the history exactly. But in nine, it used to be half white, half non-white. But I, I think it was 1969 is when they switched to half black, half non-black because, of, of course, affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they went. So like when I'm like, I don't know how it works in other states, but even like in the in the parish, like in East Baton Rouge Parish, depending on where you live depends on where you went to high school. Mm-hmm. Like they would call it like your neighborhood school. But Baton Rouge is like Baton Rouge Magnet High School. It didn't matter where you lived in the parish, you go to the school. So we didn't technically have a district. So we didn't have a football team or a baseball team or anything like that. No cheerleaders, no basketball, no sports. It was very focused on um, academics. I, it, it was like, because my little cousin goes there now and I just feel so bad because like, she just looks rough all the time. And I'm like, oh. and she's like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, I forgot who said it, but I remember like, we said it before even in high school, like missing one day at our high school was like missing, would be like missing three days at another school. Cause it's so like, fast very and, like, intense. It was. And looking back, I'm like, <laughs> looking back, I don't even know how, like I barely got out of high school. I think like a 2.5. Cause even then, so like that was a good wake up call too, because back in middle school, me and my, another best friend of mine, uh, she was, she ended up being like student of the year in eighth grade because like we both were like super smart always had like straight A's and stuff like that and so I remember when and she ended up being the valedictorian of like their class which would have been my class if I had gone to high school with them mm-hmm. but I remember what this lady telling my mom and she was like don't expect your child to go to battery time and be the valedictorian and I didn't really know what she said so like that was like so I went from being like one of the are the smartest kid in my grade or my school like in our class to being virtually a nobody because some of these kids like came in like I was on course like on regular course so like it was ninth grade I think it was algebra one and like 10th grade is geometry 11th grade is algebra two and advanced calculus is your senior year 
Like one of my friends was a freshman taking senior year math. There were a lot of freshmen taking 11th grade math, like 10th and 11th grade sciences. Like a lot of these kids had already come from magnet middle schools and like mm. were at my high school. And some of them like, I didn't even know this was possible, but some of those kids had like four, like who I graduated had like 4.5 and 4.6 GPAs. Mm-hmm. Because like with honor courses, you're in grades. Um, yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like, I was, I was just glad to graduate because you have to keep a 2.5 to stay at the school. So now you get kicked out. I was just glad, honestly, to like keep a 2.5 to like a 2.9 all throughout high school because it was that intense. Well, that because you just like going, going yeah. from like being such a oh, big extremely a yes. bond, right. But then it's, yes. it prepared you for college and it sounds like it gave you a pretty strong foundation. I wish my son focused a little bit more on academics and less on sports sometimes, to be honest. I wish it was more of a focus. Sometimes I think the sports is like an over-focus, but that's like a different subject for a different day. This episode is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, we work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. We deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. We do whatever it takes for children, every day, and in times of crisis, transforming their lives and the future we share. Right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis of our lifetime and threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. $5 can provide a nutritious breakfast and lunch for a child who usually relies on school for food. $35 can provide educational toys and activities to engage eager, out-of-school learners. Whether it's $5 or $35, every contribution helps the children. For more information, go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org slash savekids. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. But so so now let's fast forward. Um, I feel like I could listen to the whole life story, but like, let's talk a little bit about like what's happening now and what you're feeling um, about the buzz with everybody, how your thoughts are on like, like white content creators and what people are sharing. Like, how are you, how are you feeling about everything right now? Post uh, protests and everything. Well, we're, I don't think we're post where it's, it seems to be a little bit quieting down um, as far as the protests go and the rallies, but I, like, um, I'm just curious about all the stuff you're posting because that's what caught oh, my yeah. eye was your message. Um, well, first I'll say my first two thoughts are like my first word, this is strange and also what's so different now. So I, I guess last year, I was really excited about 2020 because I was like, Ooh, 2020, I mean, it's like perfect vision. Like I thought like 2020, I thought it was going to be different. I, I did kind of get annoyed too, even when like from the beginning of the year from all like the, tr- the Kobe Bryant tragedy mm-hmm. and then COVID and like people kept saying like 2020 is canceled. And I'm like, like, hold up. We don't know what 2020 like has in store for us yet. Like y'all are canceling the year. It's not even over with. And so I don't, like, honestly, it's just really strange. Like I talked to it with like one of my, like some of my black friends. And I'm just like, this is weird because I still remember like vividly 
like I said, I grew up like quote unquote colorblind, like color doesn't, like, you know, color doesn't matter. I don't see color, like all that other foolishness that sounds good. It, it sounds good, but it really isn't good. So then like first time I really did realize the difference between me and my friends who I grew up with was when the um, George Zimmerman, Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin case came and like seeing some people like, you know, I, these are like friends, I was like, slept to their houses and stuff like that. Like people called him a thug and this and that. And like, just like, I understand that's the first time I like, I realized it was like two different worlds. So I always thought we was like, we just lived in a world. So I think my family kind of too was kind of nervous for me growing up. I guess they thought maybe I didn't think I was black or something. I don't know. But I think they're kind of like, you know, like she'll, she'll see like one day she does like, she doesn't live the same life her friends do. So then like, I so I have been, remember when the movement first started, like when people started saying Black Lives Matter. So like I remember I would post stuff and I would like be one of those people who was getting into like Facebook arguments, like this and that, explaining, you know, like my perspective on it and just felt like nobody was listening and like saying Black Lives Matter for forever. And then flash forward to 2020, because even some people I grew up with, like there's just one girl in particular, like I've started noticing her posts. She was very mm, conservative, I guess you could say, growing up. And mm-hmm. see it like, so I started seeing her post a lot of, even like conservative, like politics. I don't know why racism is a political issue, but whatever. So like even her seeing something, she would post were very anti-Black, I would say. Like it wouldn't be outright, but it still wasn't, very, but like, so in the past year or so, she's been posting things where she's like fin- finally understanding equality because like so even though we grew up very rural, she didn't grow up kind of privileged. So she didn't really, like she was to me one of the people who didn't get it. So she started getting it. And like I would tell my mom, when we talk, I'm like, it's so weird seeing people from back home who I would, like, I would say Black Lives Matter and they would be like, all lives matter. It's so weird seeing those same people finally, for whatever reason, understanding like what Black Lives Matter really means. It doesn't mean white lives don't matter. Other lives don't matter. We're just saying we're, the ones being, you know, being brutalized by police right. at an extremely like disproportionate rate than other people. So right. yeah, my first thing is is like this is so weird. <laughs> like I don't, I don't almost like a like like Twilight Zone. I'm like, am I really living through what I think I'm living through? Um, weird. I mean, I can see that because I feel like you've had these feelings straight through, right? But now yeah, the whole I feel like it's a wake up call for me and the Black Lives Matter. I mean, I remember when um, the football player, Capper, what's his name? Oh, Capper. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, I was, I could not believe, I could not believe the fuss over him kneeling. Like I was a, I, I, I was just like, this doesn't make any sense that this is, that he's being demonized for this. I just couldn't get it. And now to think of what has happened now, I mean, he should be put on a pedestal now because like he was so peaceful about her or not a pedestal. But I mean, I can't believe that he was ousted from the NFL for taking a knee um, to add light to the problem of police brutality. And yeah, I feel like for, I think our friend Leslie from a reseller's passion was like, mm-hmm. this is who's black. She's like, this has mm-hmm. been my life for 50 years. Like, I'm not going to stop working. Like, like <laughs> you all have just had a light turned on, but this has been our <laughs> life straight through. So welcome to the party, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to say that either because it's like, I'm not trying to coddle white people or be, you know, fragile or like, but I also don't want it to be like, I don't want to be dismissive of people waking up because then it's just like, Oh, well that, they, Cause they can be like, oh, I can just go back to what, the way I was, which that would still be on them. It's not my responsibility. But like I said, I just don't, don't want to be dismissive. I am kind of like, what is so different about this time? Like mm-hmm. I said, um, excuse me, I was telling my mom, it's just like, it's not just George Floyd, because it's me. 
Eric Garner, Mike Brown, Alton Sterling, who's like was where I grew up in Baton Rouge. Now that was like uh, it's it hurts seeing black people brutalized by the police on video, but like when it's in your own community, it's like a it's a different level of hurt. And that was that was just and I was still working at the bank that time. And my bank honestly is very it's a the clientele is very conservative. Nobody said anything. But I can just kind of like, it was just, I don't know, that was another weird thing too, like working, I guess, in quote unquote corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like, because I, I try not to watch videos either, but I remember watching the videos of that particular one, like talking to it with another coworker of mine who was black. And then like my aunt, she went to like a protest because that was pretty close to her job, actually, the uh, gas station where he was gunned down. And it was just so, because it was just, I don't know, it was just different because it was just like, Oh yeah, I know police brutality exists. Oh yeah, I know black people are being like, you know, harassed by the police. But then it's like, but it's always was like, oh well, it's nobody around here, which I know, like, and even Louisiana, just in general, just like <laughs> the police to me are kind of like corrupt. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, you know, I still kind of fooled myself into thinking it wouldn't happen here. So then when it did, because I was like, why wouldn't it happen here? Like, this is the South. This is the Deep South. People still have these ways of thinking. So like, when it did, it was just very like that was like a rough one and so I was like it's been filmed before so I didn't understand what was so different about this one but I think because like because you could see a video especially even as black people I think at one point too we were kind of getting like desensitized to it because it just happened so much you just see the videos on Twitter and like it had it trends on Twitter for maybe a week or so and then you just go back to regular life I feel like it's a little bit like school shootings like I can remember Columbine was like slow motion and then um the kinder the Connecticut um, one was also like over the top, but now it's, they're so frequent that it's like, it gets like a 30 second moment in the news and then you move on. And I think a lot of the cases uh, like you're referring to Jessica, Mm -hmm. that's what happened. Like it was just everywhere. For me, I think that the George, I think George Floyd's made a difference because it was like eight minutes and 47 seconds or however long. And that it's, I think a lot of the other clips that we've seen have been like 10 seconds or whatever, but to actually, my husband watched it. I can't, I can't watch all. Yeah, I don't watch it. Yeah. I can't watch it. Um, but my husband has watched it and he's like, it is so uncomfortable. And the whole, the whole like social experiment too, that there are all these people around and people were like shouting for him to stop or saying he couldn't breathe. And, you know, um, I guess one guy was like heckling the cop. Like, I think you want this to happen. Like, you know, you're mm-hmm. leaning in or whatever. And, but yet nobody, like he, he didn't stop. None of his coworkers stopped him. And I don't know if it was the length of time that really grabbed people's attention or if it was just the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Yeah, I think it was. And I think, especially with um, COVID being here, like it's just nothing is normal right now. So like, usually like life is normal. And then like, police brutality happens so you can keep going back to you know quote life as quote-unquote normal but nothing is normal like you're we're for like, nobody's really working you're not going anywhere like nothing's open you're like forced to stop and pay attention to what's going on and even like I said it's still just very staggering because like one of my friends she lives in upstate New York she's a black girl and we were talking the other day and she's like it's so weird she's like I'm driving through this white neighborhood and she's like all of these houses have black Lives matter signs and one has a banner she's like we don't even have a black lives matter sign in our yard and she's like it was just something she had never seen before mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah because always has been because uh, I remember we were talking like before this we were talking about Carrie Washington yes and she's really who I like because I didn't I didn't 
like the stuff I say on Instagram, like most of it is really not my words. It's just me like learning from other people, especially people like her. And so, like I said, I always grew up thinking like colorblind, like, oh, I don't see color. But I'm like, that's not, she was the one who I real who said like, that's not the point. Because people asked her if she wanted to, um, she was some some interview, I couldn't find it. But they asked her if she wanted to live in a post-racial society. She's like, I'm not interested in living in a post-racial society. I'm interested in living in a post-racist society. Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't want, I don't want you not to see my color. She's like, I want, you, I want my skin color to not determine, determine my trajectory in life. And like, that's mm-hmm. like what's at the light bulb off. I'm like, yeah, I want you to see, like, I want you to see I'm black. And like, call me black. It's not, I don't, I'm not offended by the word black. See that I am black. Just don't let that affect anything else or like how you treat me. Just see it. But don't say like, I don't, I don't see color. Cause that's just being ignorant. And, and like, and at this point to me, it's just being lazy. Yeah. And I think people have the, um, I think their heart is in the right place. I think I, I mm-hmm. give people the benefit yeah. of the doubt when they say I don't see color. Um, but it is lazy. Like you said, I, it, it can like ab- thinking about it, it's a little bit of a cop out. Like, well, yes. I, I don't mm-hmm. see color I, or the classic, like, Oh, I have a great friend who's black, you know, like yeah. I have a black friend. Well, good for you. You know, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're not racist or whatever, you know? So I don't know. Like it, it it's, it's been, I feel like I have definitely paused and I do believe that everything happens for a reason. So, you know, maybe COVID is here and it did make everybody really pause and just, it, we all have the benefit of time to reflect more than we usually do, like you said, and it's not like business as usual. So maybe this will be the catalyst for change that we need. I pray that it is. Um, I know, I mean, I, I have a long way to go and I, I, I don't know. I, I've actually been somewhat fascinated by it and very humbled by it and, you know, started to follow a lot more black content creators who are fantastic. And when I thought about it, like there's like a handful of people prior to this who I followed and I didn't think in terms of color, but there was this one woman from a yoga studio who um, I took a class with her and I was like mesmerized by her and I've been following her for a while. And then there's Oprah and there was you, Jessica and my friend, Leslie, but like, I, there just haven't been a lot. And so now like all of these um, influencers, these, these black influencers have been in the limelight and I've been following them and I almost feel guilty that I didn't seek them out before now, you know, it's weird. It's like, you know, you, you buy a red car and then you notice all the red cars on the yeah, road. Just, yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I feel like it's popping up more or just like, like you said, like it's a conversation that people have been having for a very long time, but I've just been kind of tuned out. Yeah, and I agree. I I 100% agree. And I did tell my mom that a couple of weeks ago, because uh, like I do consider I don't know if I consider myself a religious person. But I do consider myself a spiritual person, and I definitely like identify as Christian. And so I was like, I'm, I am like absolutely sorry that we've lost like over a hundred thousand people to COVID. And I was like, but I really do think like that's like, we just need a global pandemic for us to stop and to finally address like America's racial, mm-hmm. just. I don't know indiscretions. Just like I was, because there was no, there would have been nothing else that could have happened to make us stop. And because like even it was really like the perfect storm. It that, was yeah, and I was just yeah. like, and I hate that there have been other you know black people killed by the police. I hate that George Floyd had to be like um, I not just consider like black people like involuntary martyrs for the cause because like they mm-hmm. didn't George Floyd didn't die so we can do this for him. Like he had no no say so in it. So I was like I hate that, but I really do think um yeah coronavirus is what stops so I was like because I was like please because I know everybody's 
like um epidemiologists and virologists are like talking about a second wave i'm like please can we just like listen to god right now and just like and like let coronavirus help us like focus on what we need to focus on because i cannot take a second wave of this again because it's just like going to be destruction for like people's mental health the economy real health like i don't want anybody to die anymore i'm like can we just get rid of I know. Like, okay, coronavirus woke us up. We don't need it anymore. I know. I'm really hoping it goes in that direction. Um, Danielle, are you still with us, love? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just okay. listening. I'm taking it in. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a lot to take in. And, and Jessica, like I, this like exceeded my expectation because um, it's just been really nice to to hear. And I know this is just a very small part of your story, but I really appreciate you sharing it with us on the podcast. And um, I want to continue to follow you and and just I don't know learn from you and we learn from each other right and and it's interesting to hear you say how you like you didn't know that you were black when you were little almost like that's it's an interesting thing to say you know no um, I kind of didn't yeah my aunt brings that up well she's brought it up before she hasn't brought it up in a while but she said like this is one of my, my mom's youngest sister my mom is close like we're all close but like my aunt would kind of give me a lot and then she said too she realized like kids didn't understand it. She said, like, when I was four or five or something, I think she wants to ask me, she asked me something, and, like, I guess I was like, okay, they're brown, and she asked me about white people, and I, I called them pink, and she was like, that's when she understood, like, kids really don't, they don't see color the way that adults see color. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Which is so nice, right? <laughs> yeah, it is, and then you grow, yeah, me, yeah, and then you grow up, and you're like, oh, this is not what you expected the world to be, especially mm-hmm. not as, as, as advanced as we are technologically. Uh, yes. It's actually an embarrassment, in my opinion. Especially for the United States, yeah, me too. Yeah. So I'm just like, I know the world is just looking at us and like, what are y'all doing over there? Like, you know, I, was, I was talking to someone. It might have been one of my children. It might have been Angelina. I can't remember who it was, but they were. Um, gosh, I wish I remembered who it was. But it was, it was a black person from another country. Like, I don't know if it was Europe or I think it was a European person. And um, they said, oh, no, it's, it's different to be black in Europe, uh, black American, like, I'm not a black American, I'm a black European, that like America had this stigma of like, you know, black people being ignorant or less educated or whatever, that it was mm-hmm. even from country to country, like, so that the, the racism isn't as bad in other countries, or it, it, people didn't even want to identify as a black person from America versus a black person from Africa or Europe or something, you know, I don't, I don't remember. I don't want to like misquote it, but I thought that that was interesting that they made the, um, you know, they drew the line. Distinction, between, yes. The distinction. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For being a black person in America. I'm like, gosh, that's terrible. Like when I heard that, I'm yeah, like, like that Oh, you know, I agree with that too. Like, I know, like, I know the conversation getting long, but I do like. I'm glad you brought that up because I do feel that way sometimes. Like, this is just my personal feelings. I'm not speaking for any other Black American, but with true parts, like a lot of. Um, so I've heard, I've heard it said before, like a lot of, um, like Black people who grew up in America, they'll want to go visit a country in Africa, Africa, and I can't think of the word that they call it, but they they pretty much call Black Americans a word that's equivalent to white. They're like, oh, you're not from here, so you're like, you're American, so you're white. And also sometimes I do get this feeling because like even in high school and in college, I was around different black Americans, but also different black people who are maybe like first generation American, like their parents came from Nigeria or something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see things too, like on Twitter, about a lot of people who were 
like who are connected to like their whatever country they come from in Africa, almost mocking Black Americans who don't know our history. It's like, but it's like, it's not our fault. We don't know where we come from. Like all that was erased. That's true. And wow. also too, I know this, con- yeah, this controversial thing Samuel L. Jackson said um, a couple years ago about how a lot of uh, Black British actors are coming over to the States. And he didn't really say taking um, roles from Black actors, but they are kind of playing a lot of Black, um, a lot of Black, um, like important Black Americans, like Cynthia Erivo, she's British and she came and she she's in the States now. She played Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. I know he has some, some people thought he was being divisive. I agree with it because I do feel like, you know, because the Black experience, the Black American experience is so unlike any other Black experience. And like, I'm not saying Black people from other places don't feel the same pain we do, but I do wish that like Harriet Tubman would have gone to someone that was more likely to be a direct descendant of a slave, of an enslaved person, like Cynthia Erivo, who's a Black British person. Like, mm. it's like the, it's so like, <laughs> it's already like the conversation is already complex when it's like Black and white. But then mm. when you say like, all the different types of Black, it's just, it's like, you can honestly talk about every days. Yeah, I feel like we are literally scratching the surface, but I mean, even just this, I mean, this is probably going to be a two hour podcast, but um, you know, it, it, it's fascinating to me. And I, and I I have been pretty ignorant through the years, you know? Um, So it's really interesting, Jessica. I thank you so much. Thank you so much for just sharing, being a part of the conversation and um, maybe we should you, we should have you back and, and see in six months if anything has changed or if, I don't know. It, it, it's just interesting the how this is all played out. And I really appreciate you taking the time. And I know some people think that, oh, this is the reselling community. Why are you not talking about reselling? In fact, I did a video when a lot of people were not um, posting videos, which is everybody made their own decision. But at the very end, I, I made one small reference to... Um, I think the proceeds from, I I did a video the Sunday after um, the George Floyd, everything, everything went down and I did a a thread up unboxing with my friend whose daughter drew a picture of George Floyd. She did like a sketch and then over the mouth she wrote, I can't breathe. And I I'm donating all the proceeds to the George foundation Memorial fund from that video, but whatever, all I did was reference that in my next video. That's all I said about it. And um, someone wrote, oh, and here I was thinking I could watch a whole video without the the conversation of Black Lives Matter come up. Is there oh no escape? God. Oh my God. No, there's no escape. I was like, <laughs> give me a break. Like if, if that's too much for you, honey, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I was, I was shocked because other people weren't even posting videos. So I don't know, whatever. So everybody has their different level of comfort. I appreciate everybody who listened to this episode. And um, should we call it a night or do we want to do take it or leave it quickly before we go? Oh, no, take it or leave it. You want to do it? Yes, that sounds fun. All right, take it or leave it. Um, Daniela, why don't you lead us through? Because I I miss hearing your voice. Uh, All right. So for this week, we are going to talk about types of dresses for take it or leave it. So the first one is maxi dresses. Lori, would you take it or do you leave it? This has nothing to do with brands. It's just the style. Just the style. So um, I've been paying closer attention to maxi dresses. Maxi dresses don't look great on me. So it's never a style that I um, migrate to, but 
they're pretty big right now, like the Love Shack Fancy that we were talking about earlier. Um, I would definitely take it. I don't like photographing maxi dresses, like, but yes, take it. Um, yes, take it, I guess, but not my favorite. <laughs> what about you, Jess? Yeah, definitely take it. I think maxi dresses are, oh, they look so great on tall people, slim or not, but if you're tall, but I'm like five, one and a half. So it's not my thing, but definitely take it. Yeah. I think those, actually, I think, I don't even consider my dress as trendy. I think that's almost a, um, a classic style now. Yeah, I agree. I always, I love maxi dresses. I wear maxi dresses. I love them. I'm not that tall. I'm only 5'4", but I have really long legs. So maybe that's why they look good on me. I don't know. But I prefer maxi over midi any day. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the midi because it cuts off right at my calf, which is like wider than everything else. So I'd rather my ankles or above my knees, like my knees. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. The next one is dresses with patterns or prints. Laura, you go first. We'll go in the same order. Um, I have been actually very much taking dresses with patterns or prints because I live in black dresses and I have so many black dresses in my inventory and they're hard to identify and they mm -hmm. stink to photograph. So just from a reseller perspective, I've been loving like patterns and bright colors that photograph well and it is spring. So, and I'm trying to get more color into my wardrobe. So definitely um, take them. What about you, Jess? Take it. Sounds fun. <laughs> I'm like, I know this um, is like, some people don't really like this brand, but I think Bowdoin does pattern dresses, especially their newer I stuff. Bowdoin. I think they do really good pattern dress. Like that's what came into mind when you say pattern. Yeah, yeah I love well. I love Bowdoin. Um, I actually just picked up three Bowdoin dresses this this past week. Um, I love patterns and prints. I struggle with them sometimes. I think it depends on the brand, even though we're not talking about brands. I feel like some brands I just can't, like the, the prints just aren't my style or I feel like they don't fit my aesthetic, so I don't grab them. But for mm -hmm. the most part, I do like everything I own in my own personal closet is black, white, gray, or neutral. So if I find a really pretty print or um, some type of like applique kind of design on a dress, I definitely, definitely pick it up. Okay, this next one, I feel like I, I'm gonna know the answer, but strapless dresses leave it. Yeah. They're hard to sell. Um, I just so sold a strapless uh, top from free people and I literally want to do a cartwheel because I don't really pick up strapless anymore. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's, it's a hard sell. I, I think you have to have a specific, not you'd have to have, but I think in general, you need to have the right bra or you have to have no boobs to wear it or whatever it is that like makes you feel comfortable. I struggle with um, strapless. So I've stopped picking them up and they're a slow seller for me. I mean, if it's fantastic, I'll still pick it up, but generally I leave strapless. Yeah. What about you, Jess? I'll leave. And it's funny. I never really thought about this, like particularly like each style of dresses, but now that you're asking me, yeah, that's not, they mm -mm. like, just, and they're like, and they're terrible to photograph if they're short or long or not mm -hmm. it's just because i have to use a little pants hanger and then you can't and then like i'll put it on a pants hanger and i'll try like the fluff out like the bust yeah. part to kind of make right. it <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah no i definitely yeah, they just, yeah. Not, not a fan not not a fan for myself because just the way that I'm built, but um, I just, I, I, I only have two strapless dresses that I picked up last year that are still sitting. I sent them to thread up and they didn't move and I took them back trying and I figured I'll just relist them and see if they sell and they're still sitting. So at this point I'm donating <laughs> and call it a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We're all in agreement. Yeah. The next one is cold shoulder dresses. 
Um, I'm letting them go. I, I, I feel like cold shoulder had a moment and I kind of liked it cause I don't, again, I, it always comes back to me. Have you noticed? Um, I don't, I don't love my arms. So cold shoulder was a way for me to kind of feel a little sexy, like a little skin showing, but without like sleeveless, I, I'm just, I hate my arms. So, um, I personally liked cold shoulder, but I feel like it's passing by very quickly, if not already gone. So I don't pick up cold shoulder now, but I, I liked it while it was here. What about you, Jess? Leave it, unfortunately. I feel the same way as Lori. Like, I don't know. I used to really like the style. And I've never, like, seen on Instagram um, an account was saying, like, what trends were leaving. And this was, like, maybe six or so months ago. And ever since I saw them say that about cold shoulder, I did kind of let it influence whether I picked up cold shoulder or anything. But then I looked back, I'm like, yeah, the cold shoulder stuff I have is, like, it doesn't sell. Right. So I, I think the style is cute, but it is starting to look dated to me. So definitely leave it. Yep. Yeah, I definitely never picked up cold shoulder and never will. <laughs> you never picked it up? Thing. I thought it had such a moment. Like at one point, like it was. Yeah, <laughs> it just never, you know what it is too? And, I, and I'm so guilty of this, but like my personal style and preferences always correlate to what I pick up from my reselling business, which is so bad. Um, but it just, it doesn't appeal to me for me personally. So I just was never gravitated, I never gravitated towards it. So I literally had a cold shoulder that looked pretty bomb on me. And I just just put it in the donate pile because like I put it on (laughs) and I I feel like I'm like, I don't know, like walking out of Kmart. Like I feel like I'm I'm supposed to represent fashion. And when I have a cold shoulder shirt on, I just look like I'm outdated. Exactly. Which it really shouldn't like if it's, if it's a classic piece, like I tend to just wear what looks good on me. So, but I just, I put it on, take it off, put it on, take it off. I'm like, just donate it. It's over. The moment is passed. All right. Moment of silent for. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that's so sad. <laughs> All right. The next one is linen dresses. Um, I take them. I like linen. Linen, any any sort of sustainable fabric is a green light. Linen sells pretty well for me. So I take I don't wear a lot of linen, but I like it. Does it matter what brand to you? Um, flax is big for linen. Um, I guess it depends. It wouldn't matter for brand. If I was at the bin, I would just, if I was at the bins and I was paying very low money for it, I would pick it up regardless. Um, style matters. Uh, but yeah, I guess brand matters a little bit. If I'm paying up for it, brand definitely matters. Eileen Fisher is a nice one to pick up for linen as well. I agree. What about you, Jessica? Uh, I would pick up linen for sure. And of course, anything I pick up brand does matter for the most part, but like linen, like Lori said, flax, if it was Sundance, mm. even if it was Chico's, I'd probably pick up linen because like people really do like, that's a keyword people use. I would definitely pick up linen for almost probably anything, especially if it's like a good style, and especially yeah. if it's white, like white linen, because like white linen or just white kind of in general feels like has a very sharp moment from mm. like, I don't believe this, but I know a lot of people, you know, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, so I feel like that's a good piece to have for like the summertime. So Summer. definitely. Yeah, that's old school, Jessica, but no, for a while, I, I know, yeah. know white after <laughs> that's how I was brought up. Really? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, for me, I pick up almost anything that's linen if the price is right. And another brand to kind of keep your eyes out for is J. Jill's Linen. And the only reason I'm saying this is because I picked up two J. Jill pieces. Um, one was at Savers and one was um, at TJ Maxx. 
and they both sold within 10 minutes of me listing them and they sold full asking price and they were hundred percent linen pieces. So there's I have a J. Jill linen shirt on a brick background. And do you know what that means, right? Oh, you need to relist it then. Rephotograph <laughs> it. it since August of 2018. <laughs> um, yes, I stopped picking it up because that damn piece wouldn't sell. But yeah, all right, good to know. I've had some luck with J. Jill recently. Yeah, I yeah, think. Can I uh, cut in for half a second? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. About J. Jill. Okay, so J. Jill, I got, there was a J. Jill story here. I knew how expensive it was. I picked it up in the beginning because I'm like this is a good brand and then in sale so I stopped picking it up because everybody's like you know J. Jill's and good J. Jill's and good and I've noticed that too like when we're talking about in the community like when people start saying things aren't good then people start picking up less and then it becomes less competition because I would say in the last especially last year for sure like when I was really sourcing I started picking up J. Jill again because people were like saying not to pick it up so it wasn't like really being available for people online and so I definitely think J. Jill kind of like I think she kind of came back for a second like I haven't of course sourced in months but I like I was anti J. Jill but I'm kind of like pro J. Jill again I like her well, I think their styles are really cute too. And they're mm-hmm. a lot of um, more modern, like even like Eileen Fisher and stuff, their styles are very similar. They have very similar um, aesthetics to them. J. Jill, Eileen Fisher, uh, Flax is a little different. That's more lag and look, but like those type of brands have very similar looks to them. And I think people are starting to realize that. So yeah, you know, I know J. Jill is what looks good on. I'm sorry. Oh, I was saying that people know, um, they know what looks good on them. So they know oh, exactly yeah. what they're looking for. 100%. Yes, yes exactly. Exactly. Okay. Somebody just mentioned, sorry, just for a second. No, on, go ahead. on one of my videos, they said, whenever a, a reseller or an influencer gives a bolo, I run in the other direction. Yes. <laughs> and I was laughing. I, I, was talking, I was talking about how frame and rag and bone jeans. Have oh been my thin. God. Yeah. So they so commented good. and they said, I'm not picking up anything that a reseller says to buy. I was laughing. I was laughing because I, I get it. Okay, yeah, we'll do the same here. thing. I try not to listen to what people are and are not picking up because I feel like it's so different for all of us. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Take it with a grain of salt, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one we're going to do is silk dresses. Um, I don't know. I feel like silk is is really dependent on um, style. I'm, and I always find silk with stains. Um, but I mean, generally silk is a plus. The last silk dress that I picked up was a Diane von Furstenberg. I paid up for it um, and it sold in less than a week for $75. And my Diane had been sitting forever. I was very hesitant to pick it up and it was raw silk and it sold really fast. So that was a pro. So, I mean, yeah, I think so. Yes. What about you, Jess? Yes, I would pick up silk pieces. Um, and I haven't, since I've been sourcing, I haven't been photographing. But um, I think it was around January, I did pick up a silk Sundance dress. I photographed it and I never listed it. So it's currently on its way to throw it up. But it being silk was definitely part of the reason why I picked it up. And it was like a red silk and it was a maxi dress. And I never, I think it was silk and linen. Like the top, mm, my wow. rounds made the knees were like, yeah, I have this, uh, Lori, I'll send you a picture on Instagram. I think I saw the photo of it. It's a decent dress, but yeah, I do like silk, but like Lori said, unless it has stains. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anything that's like, now that I, I didn't even really understand uh, until recently, like there's been man made fashion and then like natural fibers. So anything that's like a natural fiber, like linen or silk, I definitely, especially because we're in such this big like sustainable movement right now. Exactly. Like everybody's really trying to be conscious. So yeah, I'll definitely pick up anything like with natural fi- uh, fibers. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely pick up silk dresses or I gravitate towards the, the linens and the silks and all of that. I just, I have to be super careful because I fall into the trap of like, oh, it's silk, I have to get it. But then I need to really inspect it because silk, you can get a lot of those pulls in it. If yeah. it stretches out too much or the stains, then I'd have to dry clean it and is it worth it kind of thing. So silk is a delicate fabric, you know, as opposed, I feel like linen's a little more sturdy, cotton mm-hmm. wool. I mean, wool you have to check out really carefully. Um, but yeah, so I, I agree. I think we all agree that silk is like beautiful, but it, it's, it's tricky. It is. All right, guys, well, that wraps it up. Wow. Well, Jessica, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And it was so nice to get to know you a little bit better. I had so much fun and you are a wealth of information in the reseller community too. You've been here for a while. You, you passed the two year mark. <laughs> <laughs> I know so now I'm questioning I've kind of realized too I think I might have like commitment issues because like, I left my job at the bank at the two year because like right now I have like I haven't even been interested in sourcing so I'm like oh am I getting like that itch to go do something else so I'm not really sure what's next because I don't feel like super confident talking about reselling at the moment because I'm like oh am I really like still an expert if I'm not sure if I want to keep doing it but this was this is very nice so I really appreciate it Oh gosh, we loved having you on the show, hon. So thank you so much. And everybody, you can check out our show notes and definitely follow Jessica on Instagram. And um, thanks everybody for listening. If you're still listening, we appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you guys. And I will see you next week for another Coffee Talk episode. Bye everyone. Today's sponsor is Hero Cosmetics. They sent us over the Mighty Patch, which is a hydrocolloid acne patch. My son Rocco tried these out and we were both so impressed with the results. He had a bad breakout so he stuck on a Mighty Patch original overnight and in the morning his pimple was totally flat. The patch had gently absorbed the pimple. Unlike some of the harsher products on the market, the Mighty Patch was so effective without irritating his skin. and You could see all of the gunk that it removed right on the patch. Very cool. If you want to try the Mighty Patch for yourself or for someone in your family, Use the code THRIFTERS15 for 15% off at herocosmetics.com. Now back to the show.